0: If you went on a, uh, there's a study that's been done, and and high schoolers have been asked, who do you associate Christianity with? And and they were asked, and it was polled, and you'd think they would say like Mother Teresa, right? Or the Pope. Or Billy Graham. Do you know who it was? Look, right here. Ned Flanders. You guys know who Ned Flanders is? Raise your hand if you... Simpson fans out there? Okay. Good old Ned Flanders, the neighbor of Homer Simpson, the high diddly do kind of guy. Uh, He is the stereotypical Christian. They have wrapped everything into this guy. Uh, He is uh, always going to church. He's part of a small group. He has a fish on his refrigerator. And he, uh, he's very careful with his kids. Uh, they they play games like Clothe the Samaritan. <laughs> he won't even let him eat Red Hots because there's a picture of the devil there. And, uh, yeah, good old Ned Flanders. Uh, you know, you kind of wonder, what do people really think of us when, they, when we identify ourselves as a follower of Jesus Christ? it could be this guy. This is the angry Christian. The angry Christian. And a lot of people say, hey, we know more about what you're against than what you're for. And sometimes that's the case. And it's good to stand up and speak the truth. But we also need to be showing love. Also need to be telling them about how much God loves them. This guy would look better if he didn't have braces. Didn't look as scary. (laughs) <laughs> How, we're on a we are on an adventure here. Uh, it's a new series entitled "Life on Mission." Uh, have anybody started looking at the materials yet out there? All right, great. They're good, aren't they? They're exciting. It's a, a whole different way of living life. So we want you to engage over the next five weeks. Uh, we'd love to have you here in our worship services. Uh, you can also get that on the web if you miss one. Uh, buy the small group study, which is $10. Uh, read the book Life on Mission, which is a really good book for 15 or both together uh, for 20 So our small groups and on Sunday mornings will be talking about how we can be missional in our world. What does it mean to be missional? Well, let's take a look at Paul and what he says in Acts 20. He says, but I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Look at that first portion. But I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself. Paul has reached such a level of maturity that his life really isn't that significant to him. It just isn't, it's not that important. It's not important what type of car he drives or house he lives in or uh, what type of vacations he goes on. Well, he went on vacations, but different types of vacations, and we would like to go on. He already had a house to live in, right? He was all over the place. The guy had a really challenging life. And what does he say? But I do not account my life of any value. So he's saying, I'm a child of God, but... There's nothing really truly special about me or my body or my agenda for this world. Nor is precious to myself. You know, we in life hold a lot of things precious to ourselves. All of our stuff that we have. All those things that are really important to us. And to a certain degree, that's fine. You can enjoy what God gives you. But what he says, nor is precious To myself. So so none of those things even come close to the main thing that my life is about. If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. That is his mission. If only I may finish my course, of course, Paul used a lot of athletic analogies uh, in the Bible to talk about running the course, going down the pathway of the Christian life, and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus Christ to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. So, what is Paul's mission? He's to finish this course because... God has sent him on a mission that he received from Jesus to testify to the gospel. Last week we talked about the fact that we are on a mission as a church. And it's such a critical mission. It's the only mission that counts. To tell other people that Jesus Christ died for their sins. That Jesus Christ was the penalty there's a penalty for sin. We're all born sinners. And Jesus Christ took that penalty upon Himself. And He suffered. And He died. But because He was both God and man, He's the one who could be our substitute. And He rose again from the dead. And He's living today. day. And, and all we have to do is, is come to Him with no self-righteousness and say, Lord, I believe... You died for my sin, and you rose again from the grave, and I want to follow you as my Savior and Lord. That's the simple gospel. That's what Paul's life was about. And again, he had a very difficult life, as you read uh, throughout the book of Acts. But, but, But he was just focused on that. That was the one thing that he wanted to get done. The only thing. And think about this. Think about your own life, okay? Now, if you were to compare yourself to Paul, how would you do in terms of saying, okay, my mission in life is, we've got lots of missions in our lives, don't we? I mean, with our family and taking care of our families, working, those type of things. But where does the mission of Jesus Christ fall in priority? And this is going to depend upon where you're at in your spiritual journey. You could be here today and not even know Jesus Christ. Or maybe you've gone to a church that's taught about Jesus, but also taught that you have to kind of earn your way to get to heaven, which is not what the Bible says. You might just be at the beginning, or maybe you've been a Christian for a couple years and you're growing, or maybe you're stalled out someplace, or or maybe you're really going through a, a time of increased spiritual growth in your life. We always need to remember that everybody's at a different place on their spiritual journey. And we have to be sensitive to that and encourage them in that way. So the idea here is not to look at this and say, wow, (laughs) that will never be me. That will never be me. It's not talking about vocational Christian ministry here. It's talking about Living for God. Living for God. I mean, I look at this passage and I say, oh, that's amazing. <laughs> you know, Lord, you continue to work in my life because uh, that is that is maturity. We're here on earth to tell others about Jesus. And that's all we care about. And uh, again, that just has to be something that grows within us. And, and that's my desire for this missional series as we walk through it. On Sunday mornings and also in small groups, is that we, over this uh, six week period, would really think about how important is the mission of taking the gospel to other people in different ways through our ministry. How important to me is that in my life? And my goal, the part of the Holy Spirit, is to move you up a degree. Okay, let's say there's differing degrees of maturity in the Christian life. You know, you're not going to go from here, being a new Christian to a Paul. <laughs> that takes all your life to do. But, but my desire is that your heart would burn with more passion and that your actions would reveal a heart that wants to let other people know about Jesus Christ. You say, Dan, yeah, well, it's so hard? I mean, we go out there, and I think I'm Ned Flanders or <laughs> some angry Christian. You know, the worst thing is, is for a person to have a bad experience with someone who calls himself a Christ follower, right? In your class their uh, your job and you just are not a Christ follower. You don't act like a Christ follower. You act like everybody else. Well if you do that then the person says I don't have to become a Christ follower to be like that. He's just like me or my neighbor is just like me. Ask yourself this question, okay? Think of a neighbor or an office work office worker, whatever it might be. And try to imagine in your mind what they think about your Christianity. First of all, do they know you're a Christian? Just think of one person, okay? Do they know you're a Christian? Okay. Have you ever talked to them? Uh, I mean, have you, you have a good relationship with them. I mean, have you done your job of reaching out and just being a good employee or being a good neighbor, that type of thing? H- have you ever gone the extra step with them? In serving them in some way. Or spending time with them. And then finally, of course, sharing the gospel with them. Friends, we all have room to grow. And again, my heart passion is that your heart for the lost, your heart for the gospel and how special and unique it is, will grow during this time together. It will grow in your small group time. It will grow during your, your time alone with God, which is so critical to continue on the Christian path and get to know God better. How about those cubs, huh? Yeah! I'm going to put this up every week. It doesn't matter, you know. It doesn't fit in the sermon. And hey, you know, it's going to happen once in my lifetime. And uh, Who sells the most baseball tickets in the nation? Which team? The Chicago Cubs. You all know it, don't you? Of course, we're the most loyal fans that ever lived. In fact, my brother was coming in on the L to see a Cub game this year. And he ran into a woman, and she said, I am a Cubs fanatic. And he said, well, what do you mean? She said that she had been to every home game for the last 40 years. Now, that's commitment. Commitment. she worships <laughs> the cubs not 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 she is just uber fan right her whole life is committed to the cubs now this would be an interesting question to ask her have you invited anyone with you to the cubs game have you you know kind of brought them in to your <laughs> your temperature of how much you love the cubs have you given this gift of love for the cubs which is a precious gift have you given this precious gift of the cubs to someone else well, I don't know what you'd say I think you'd probably say no if it comes alone i'm I'm not sure you see that's the problem with the church here guys you know we come here every week and I tell you I told you I had a great time. See Jennifer down here. She's uh, with us. Uh, it's good to see you, Jen. Yeah, yeah. Taking care. Parent uh, out in uh, Rockford, and um, you know we're all family. And we have family all over the United States. People over the last twenty years of people who've come and and people who've gone, and uh, it's just fun to get to get together with friends. It's fun to worship. It's fun to study. God's Word, it's meaningful that you walk away, hopefully, and say, God spoke to me this morning. Now, think of your Christian experience, and, and I mean, we go on and on about the benefits, right? And now ask yourself this question, what is keeping me from sharing that with someone, with telling other people? About it. What is it? I mean, this is so unbelievable what what I get to live out every day. And when I'm down, when I'm up, God is always there to encourage me and rejoice with me. And it's such a precious thing. Now, I know there's a lot of fears, and we'll talk about that in a future message. But uh, let's just think about that. We've got something. We've got a relationship uh, with Jesus Christ. And don't we want other people to experience that on this earth as well as in to eternity? So, again, what happens with churches is, hey, we're having a great time, walking together, praying for one another, having fun, loving one another. And we forget that there are people in our community we don't know Jesus. But we're too busy loving this community to get out there and make contact with them. Did you know in the first seven years of a Christian's life, they, at the end of that seven years, they typically don't have any non Christian friends? Does that make sense? Before they, they, all had non-Christian friends because that's who were they involved with. But as they get involved in the church, you know we have our own culture here in the United States. We got our own TV stations, radio stations, we got our own music. We got our own, you know, clothes. <laughs> Jesus clothes you can put on that type of thing. I, I mean, we've got a culture here, and it's a culture. That sometimes can work against us because, remember, if God's not working in you, your energies are always going to be pointing here. Okay? To yourself. That's very natural. So it takes a work of the Spirit. It takes an intentional commitment to go like this. To serve other people. To love others. Unbelievers, to spend time with them. Because we're all so busy. But like we said last time, if you don't have time to nurture a relationship with an unbeliever, you're too busy. Because that's why we're here. And we just don't want a bunch of loyal fans, one might say. We are missionaries. Now, the whole idea, in a sense, of... uh, Experiencing the Cubs is to get to Wrigley Field. And we're very fortunate that we live uh, close by. (laughs) But uh, the whole purpose of Springbrook is not to get to this building. That is not the main purpose, to be in this building. What is the main purpose? That's right, to be outside of this building. That's where the action is happening in terms of of missional living, to be outside this building. When you look at Christ's ministries and all the significant things that he did, the miracles, he wasn't in the synagogue. I mean, he went to the synagogue, but he didn't do any of those miracles in the synagogue. He was always out with the people. And we struggle here. <laughs> it's too bad. Soon we're going to have to go back into hibernation. It wasn't a lovely summer, you know, just being able to be outside and, and say hello oh, to your neighbors. And everybody kind of goes into lockdown, you know, and November rolls around. But somehow we need to continue to cultivate those relationships so we can bring people to experience Jesus Christ. Luke fifteen one and 2 is uh, well-known well uh, chapters in the Bible, story of the lost coin and the lost uh, lost coin, the lost sheep, and the prodigal son. This is how it starts out. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, This man receives sinners and eats with them. A little background on this. Uh, you have the Pharisees, the scribes. The Pharisees were the teachers and Scribes had a similar role, and, and they were the ones uh, who kind of led the church. The Sadducees led the government side, and the Pharisees led the church. And they, they were just so self-righteous. I mean, they would do everything that they can to put it in other people's faces that I am so much better than you. They come out to pray at the different times, and they'd make sure that they were in a busy street corner so a lot of people could see them. Whenever they donated in front of the temple, they they dropped uh, their coins in the the pot so the people would know that they were doing that. And, And there weren't enough rules in the Old Testament, so they made up more rules. And what happened was, is they got so full of themselves, they said, we are the Pharisees. And everyone else, (laughs) you have no chance of reaching our spiritual level of maturity. So when Jesus Christ comes along here, he's certainly no Pharisee. They really have a problem with him. And really the real problem is that he's more popular than them. He gains a lot of popularity. So they start to take shots at him. him. And what Jesus Christ was doing there, doing here is uh, he eats with sinners. He eats with sinners. What was a sinner? Well, tax collectors. Remember Zacchaeus, the wee little man, right? Jesus uh, went to his house and he became a Christ follower. Well, yeah, tax collectors were the most hated people in the community because they basically were traitors. They were given the responsibility by Rome, which was, again, uh, uh, Down in that land, to receive taxes. But this is the thing, is that they could <laughs> they could make up the tax. I mean, there's a certain level that Rome would get, but then they could inflate it. Let's say that the U.S. government ran all of our businesses. <laughs> and you go over to Home Depot, and uh, you pick up a piece of equipment for about 50 bucks, and you get up to the register, and uh, it says, yeah, I think that will be about a $50 tax. And you go, what? Are you crazy? $50 tax on a $50 piece of equipment? No, that's what That's what you need to do. That's exactly the power the Pharisees had. Uh, excuse me, not the Pharisees, but the tax collectors. They would, would put up little gates, little tents, and, and when you'd pass by, they would tax you <laughs> for something. And they were just... Very wealthy. I mean, they were thieves. I mean, imagine someone coming to rob you. And you've identified them as a robber for whatever reason. I don't know. It doesn't work out. They're free. They don't have any penalty. And, And you go to Kohl's and you see them. And you know that's the person that robbed your house. And you go up to them. And you maybe have a few choice words for them. And the guy says, well, I'll be back next week. Think about how that feels. Right? How much would you hate that person? How much would you want to do bad things to that person? That's a tax collector. And that's who Jesus was hanging out with. I mean, they were the lowest of the low. Of course, you had uh, evildoers, prostitutes, uh, you know, other people who were known for their sin. And so when it says that Jesus was eating with tax collectors, it's like Jesus was eating with people who robbed your house on a regular basis. And it was okay. Now, how would you react to that? If y'all saw Jesus,
1: Jesus, Jesus,
0: Jesus judged them. Come on, bring some lightning down. What in the world are you doing there? eating with them. And back in that day, when you shared a meal, it was much more significant than a McDonald's drive-thru. Okay? I mean, you sat down, and there was meaning to that meal. And when you ate with someone, you basically identified with them and said, this is my friend. So... All the tax collectors and Jesus is there. and Yeah, it was radical. I mean, it was really radical. And that's how radical the the grace of Jesus Christ is. We can't understand it. It doesn't make any sense. But, But look at this. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. It tells me about uh, Jesus' teaching style. It tells me about His warmth. It tells me about His love for people. People were drawing near. They wanted to be closer to Him. They wanted to experience Him. And the interesting thing is that Jesus Christ, of course, was a rabbi. And they felt comfortable with that. I can tell you those tax collectors did not feel comfortable with all the other rabbis. But Jesus accepted them. Jesus wanted to help them. And so they were just listening so closely. And that's why the Pharisees uh, and the scribes had had a heart attack. They grumbled, this man receives sinners and eats with them. It's just, again, unbelievable. Let's look at this uh, story. Tax collectors are used a lot. (laughs) as sinners, uh, because, of course, everybody hated them. And uh, they show grace to a sinner, and it's surprising. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Now, that was the Pharisee. They were self-righteous. They didn't need Christ's righteousness. You've met a self-righteous person before, right? Maybe a braggart or a person who think they have whatever spiritual act together they have. And they're just kind of telling you about all the great things that they have done. And they're resting on their own righteousness, which is nothing before God. So you had a Pharisee and a tax collector. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you for your love. God, I thank You for Your grace. God, I thank You that You are my God. No. God, I thank You that I am not like other people. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. So we reference the tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. Hey, I'm self-righteous. I'm doing everything right. I'm so glad I'm not one of those people. (laughs) Jesus loves those people. Jesus loves the people in their sin. Where would Jesus be if he came down our way? Probably be up at the jail, right? The county jail. Talking to the common thieves and things like that, just like the tax collectors. Going to other areas in our county where other known sinners can be found. you, know, you ask a question. Is there an unforgivable sin? Is there an unforgivable sin? Is there a sin that is too ugly, too painful, too disgusting to forgive? How about terrorists? you think Jesus loved terrorists? Terrorists who just are out to kill and create terror and create bloodshed. and Does Jesus love terrorists? Yeah, He does. He loves terrorists. And if in some way the Holy Spirit came around that terrorist, whoever that person might be, And through some person or book, this terrorist realized he was really off track and that uh, he was a sinner. He was a tax collector. He was a murderer. And he asked Jesus to give him that free gift of salvation. What do you think of that? When you think about grace, it's, it's just radical. It's just radical. You know, I really think that all of us do this, you know. We classify ourselves, you know, A Christian, B Christian, C Christian. <laughs> there we go, oh, that's a B Christian because they da-da-da-da-da.
1: That's
0: Oh, that person's failing over there. That's for sure. Right. What's that called? That's called self-righteousness. That's saying, I have righteousness in myself, and therefore I can look down upon others. You know, one of the problems with the gospel being preached and spread in America is people don't realize how sinful they are. You don't see that in a lot of gospel presentations. I mean, they focus on Jesus and his love. And and all all that stuff is really important. But the first thing is, if you want to convince or, or if you want to tell a person they have a problem, you got to tell them what the problem is, right? And if they just think, well, you know, whatever, little sins. Uh, no, no, that's why we have to preach the whole gospel. Because... That's, that's what makes the beauty of salvation so precious when we realize who we really are before God, that you know uh, our righteousness are like filthy rags, but He chooses us. You see that's what we celebrate during communion, like we did today. You see, if we lose sight of that. If we lose sight of the fact that sinners that we were, how lost we were, how what our future was, we lose the power of the gospel to transform our lives. That's why we need to constantly meditate on Scripture and be reminded. We go to the next verse. But the tax collector stood at a distance. Why was he standing at a distance? Because he was... A sinner. And he can come into the particular area where the self righteous Pharisee stood. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven. I mean, you know, maybe he thought God would strike him dead. He wouldn't even make eye contact, I guess you would say, with God. And he beat his breast. Of course, is a sign of contrition, a sign that I've done wrong, and said, "God, have mercy on me, a sinner." You know, I think it, it's healthy um, for Christ followers to reflect upon their passions. Why? Because then you understand the grace of Jesus. You know, once we get coasting as Christ followers, oh, we're pretty good, you know, we're doing our thing. But always go back to the cross. Always go back to the sin that Jesus paid for. And that's when you'll appreciate the good news of Jesus Christ. That's when you want to pass it on. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Luke five twenty seven through 28, we see uh, Jesus calling Matthew. Now, of course, he called all the disciples. After, his, after this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to them, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. We kind of have an idea of what the order is of you know, when he asks certain people to be his disciples. We know that he went up and prayed and made a final decision at that point. Most, I believe he knows Matthew at this point. He's spent time with him and things of that nature. And so when he says, follow me, I mean, he left everything in the sense that that was the time to officially be part of the group. And you can imagine, you know, uh, Dr. Luke is part of the group. So when the fishermen saw Doctor Luke coming on it, oh, that's good. <laughs> we're doing well. We got a doctor in the group here. All right, we're going to get some, get some, uh, you know, respect. But when they saw Jesus pick out a tax collector, you remember the guy who robs your house every week? What do you think they said?
1: This guy is
0: crazy. We're fishermen. We're good people. Why would he? Why would he let let him be part of our group? It's radical, right? Luke five twenty nine. Now Levi, he's come to Christ, and uh, he is excited. You remember when you first became a Christ follower and you were just so jazzed about it? I, I went over to a party one time where the person actually accepted Christ at that point, and then we had a party. That's pretty cool. But Levi made him a great feast in his house, and there was a large company of who again? Those tax collectors just keep showing up, aren't they? Why? Because Matthew was a tax collector. And let's face it, tax collectors had to stick together. (laughs) All right? When you're the most hated group in the community, you've got a nice, tight, small group. You're wealthy and you're hated, but you love it. All right? So Levi wants to tell all these other tax collectors about him. And so they were reclining at the table, as you know, didn't have formal chairs back then. So they just kind of you know, leaned on their elbow around him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled at his disciples saying, Why do you eat and drink? With tax collectors and sinners. So again, he's saying, Why are you spending time with a person who keeps robbing my house every week? Why? Answer that question. And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners repentance you know we're all sinners you're not going to get a certain score of sin when you get to heaven you're not going to be special in any way because everybody's in the same boat you name the worst sin that you can think of. If the Holy Spirit moves in that person's heart and they claim the grace of Jesus Christ, they will be saved. Let's go back to your neighbor, let's go back to your office. person. Let's go back to the parent on the sports field. I'm praying for you and myself that we go through this week and we look at those people in a different way. And you might have somebody at work or, that you know, you think is a scumbag. That's because they're a sinner and they haven't seen Jesus yet, right? And not that interesting we, with unbelievers? They're good unbelievers. These are bad unbelievers.
1: They're all bad. We're all bad. We're all
0: sinners. We're all in the same place and we all need the incredible grace of Christ. So as you go throughout this week, keep your eyes open and look at people. You never know what they have going on in their lives, what happens behind closed doors, domestic issues and on. They need Jesus. Start praying for them. I encourage you to take my notes or uh, whatever you want to put it on. But go home today as a family and write out people that are in your circles of influence that, that God is burdening you with. You want to start praying for. You want to start to Cultivate more of a relationship with them. In order, you might get to know them. And hopefully, you know, they'll become a Christ follower at some point. Who are those people in your life? You see, as a missional church and as missional people, we need to have either a mental list or a physical list, a, week, a, a, a list that we could look at every week and say, this is my mission field. This is my mission field. This is my mission from Christ. My own style, my own personality. You know, I am just going to do whatever I can love them to Jesus. Let's pray. Oh dear Heavenly Father. Your grace truly is amazing in every way. Lord, thanks for speaking me speaking to me through this message as you always do that you have to really go back and look at how bad your sin is, not necessarily in terms of how we might perceive bad, but how black it is opposed to your holiness, your purity. And as we dwell upon those types of passages, we'll fully realize blessed we are. In Christ's name, amen. We're going to have our come forward at this time, and uh, we want to thank you uh, for your generosity to God's ministry here at Springbrook. Uh, The gifts that you give are well managed, and we're using them as God directs us to create outreaches, create programs that will Reach people and build disciples. Our next outreach is our biggest one. Truck or Treat. Let's get excited about Truck or Treat, all right? How many have been to Truck or Treat? Okay. I want everybody to come this year, all right? Even if you don't have any kids, all right? Just come and see it, all right? Experience it. Or even better yet, help at it. Because we need a lot of volunteers. It's going to be October 30th, the Sunday before Halloween, which is the next day, uh, from 4 to 7. Remember, you saw the the Willy Wonka float that we put together, and people thought it was an honor (laughs) of uh, the person who played Willy Wonka. That wasn't the case because it's the theme to Trunk or Treat. We need people for costumes, games, activities. We're going to have a chocolate waterfall. And we need a lot of Oompa Loompas. You don't have to be short to be Oompa Loompa. You really don't. They're they're big Oompa Loompas, you know, just like an elf. You know? know? Okay. Lots and lots of fun-sized candy. That's what we need. We want you to bring on the candy. Because you see, friends, this is the way we go out, in a sense. They come into our building, but we're going out into the community and say, Hey, we've got a great party for your kids. And, hey, parents always love a great party. For their kids, that they don't have to do anything for, right? Come on out and be a part of our this, this experience. Uh, people to prepare crafts. Uh, people for the day of the event. Twenty-four more, oompa loompas. Tony, I think you could be a good oompa loompa, no doubt about it. And Jeff, you. The spirit's leading me right now. Okay, so. <laughs> And set up and tear down careers. Why do we do all this? Why do we? We've had a plan working on, uh, a team working on this for months. Why do we spend the money? Why do we go to this extreme? Because Jesus paid the penalty for our sins.
1: You guys stand as we continue to worship the Lord through song. Your hands together, that's okay. Oh, I love it. I know I still make mistakes. You have new mercies for me every day. You'll love me.
0: thank the van this morning for leading us in worship. Well, uh, we have members here at Springbrook, those people who say, yes, God has called me to this church and uh, I'm going to serve here and I'm going to attend here and I'm going to build relationships and I'm going to use my spiritual gifts for this ministry. And it's always exciting when that happens. We have Jeff and Vicki Smith here, and uh, I wanted them to tell their testimonies, but I think we'll have to wait till video. They're not <laughs> real comfortable. So let me give you a quick overview. Uh, they came to Springbrook. Uh, you know, from, someone who knew about Springbrook? No, we just um, drove by a lot and by. Just drove by a lot. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, and, and February, in February, you guys became Christ followers, right? We did. February. Let's thank the Lord for that, huh? And since then, they've been baptized, which is always what you do after you become a Christ follower, right? Like in the book of Acts, they've been through our Christianity 101 class. Uh, They're part of a, a small group, and they're serving in ministry all in six months. Isn't that great? Now, it's not great because they're doing all those things. It's great because, I mean, they're achievers. You know. <laughs> but really, the great thing about it is they've walked down the pathway of discipleship, right? And God has moved them so quickly. And, and that's the vision we have, friends, of other couples like Jeff and Vicki Smith. You know, lost. Spirit draws them in. And then we tell them, here's how, you, here's how you come to Christ and here's how you grow in Christ. Let's keep praying for more stories like this. Thank you so much. Welcome And the membership. All right, have a great week, guys.